Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three of the Link Leadership Podcast. Yes, welcome, welcome. Season three, man, and we're in Chi Town. Um, yeah. Our objective and our aim for this Link Leadership Podcast is to engage, equip, and empower leaders through storytelling. And boy, do we have some stories for you this season. Yes. So listen to Chicago. Yes. So so probably you know this, but Chicago, the, the actual city has about 2.9 million people. Yeah. But the Chicago metro is 9.5 million. A lot of people from yeah. around the world are yeah. here. And the city is divided in 77 different neighborhoods. And each neighborhood has its own culture, its own approach to things, yes. its own viewpoint, politically, culturally. So the men and women that are serving here in Chicago in different pockets yeah. are doing incredible work because it's just its own world here yeah. and then we've been exposed to just learning from that yeah. so we can't wait for you to listen to all those incredible people that are yeah. serving in different capacities yes. and be encouraged by it as you listen to their stories yes i mean we've got a lot of leaders that are serving in hard places yeah, and hard yeah. communities and i know my faith was stirred and my courage it's was hard. challenged it's and hard. so we hope that this season does the same for you yeah What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Link Leadership Podcast. My name is Ebenezer, and I'm joined by my host, Dawit Bokri. Yes, sir. And here at the Link Leadership Podcast, our aim is to engage, equip, and empower leaders through storytelling. And today we've got an incredible story for you guys. Uh, he's an amazing leader. He is the founder and executive director of the Philemon House. We got none other than, none other than Luis with us. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. It's a blessing to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a blessing to have you. Well, let's do this. For those who don't know who you are, don't have a context for who you are, just give us a little background, um, a little backstory of, of you and your journey. All right, well, um, my name is Louis Dooley. I'm from the St. Louis area, but it's East St. Louis, which is east of St. Louis, yeah. the city. So it's actually Illinois. So I'm from okay. the southern part of Illinois, born and raised there. Yeah. And a um, little small community, but very rough community. Yeah. And uh, growing up there, I got sucked in. You know, I made a lot of poor choices like uh -huh. many of my uh, peers did. Yeah. And by the age of 19, I found myself being convicted of attempted murder and first degree uh -huh. armed robbery. And I was sentenced to life plus 100 years <laughs> in prison. And so... I was like, wow, man, life is um, life is over. Wow. And so my first day in jail, an inmate brought a box of goodies to me, um, I guess as a token of, like, extending a hand of love, right? And I didn't take it as that. Um, where I'm from, you don't give somebody something for nothing. Yeah. And so I thought he was trying to make a move on me, so I determined I needed to take his life. So uh -huh. later that night when I rushed into his cell, uh, him and two other guys were having a Bible study. Uh -huh. And so I just kind of stopped and... He asked me, I believed in God. I said, no. He basically gave me a Bible track. I went back to my bunk and just thought, man, I can't do nothing right. You know, I, I, I obviously did a lot of wrong stuff that landed me in prison. Now my life is over, and now I'm in fear of my life, mm. and I need to protect myself, and I can't even do that right. Wow. So I was like, you know what? I'd be better off dead. Wow. So I didn't attempt to take my life, although I was really, really wanting everything to just be over. Yeah. I started reading this Bible track, and it articulated the gospel, and— I decided, you know, I am a sinner. There was no question about that. 
I needed some grace. I needed some unmerited favor and that Jesus, um, what was presented to me about Jesus was that he came to offer me that grace, to actually be that grace, to not only forgive my sins, but to give me life and to give me a new hope. And so I accepted Christ and, you know, off to prison, I went about 30 days later. Uh, While I was there, I got acquainted with the ministry that uh, was passing out uh, Bible courses to help people learn the Bible. Because I thought if I'm going to serve God, I need to know who God is. And so I started learning about God. About six months later, I got two more life sentences for a prior crime I had committed. So I was like, well, I'm definitely here forever. And so I just said, Lord, I'm here um, for a reason. And it's because of what I did, not because of what you did. But I'm still alive for a reason. So what would you have me do? And so the Lord started opening doors for me to learn his word, to interact with other people, to do Bible study, evangelism, and things like that. And after 13 years, the parole board decided to let me go. Wow. And two more, two and a half more years. And so after 15 and a half years, I was just released. Wow. And that, that was is, in 2009. That's incredible. Wait, was it just on good behavior or they saw you? Uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't have around? good behavior. Yeah. Most places don't. You get a sentence, and most you time you have a percentage of a sentence you have to carry out. Yeah. In the state of Missouri, they have a parole board. Many states don't. They just make you do this percentage of your sentence, and then you go home. Yeah. Missouri isn't like that. You have to do a percentage, but then you're still, your life is in, like, the parole board's hands. Yeah. And so I just say the Lord touched their hearts, wow. and they decided to, like, release me and give me a chance. Wow. And so Amazing. it's all what God did. It wasn't what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So – you know, what's that transition? Did you go from being released in 09 to, you know, starting Philemon's house? Or what What was that in between yeah, process? Yeah, that's a good question. How did you go from one to yeah, the other? Yeah, it was a process. So I got released in 09. Six years before my release, I met a young lady from the northern Illinois suburbs who I married when I got out. Okay. Um, that brought me up to the Chicagoland yeah. area. I got up here, and, of course, the first thing, I want to find a church and I want to find a job. Yeah. Um, she was going to a church <laughs> I didn't really care for. It, it was much different. Yeah. My context of church was just a prison church because I didn't grow up in the church. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I didn't know what church was. <laughs> so prison was like how you do church. So yeah. out here was so different. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of like, man, okay, church isn't really that good. Then I couldn't find a job. Mm. And then I just prayed and said, Lord, like I know you didn't let me out just to come back and be in another prison, mm. so to speak, like a mental yeah. prison. Yeah. So um, he answered my prayer, and the first thing was I found a a company, a coffee roasting company called I Have a Bean that only looks to hire people with felonies. And I'm like, wow, I heard this guy speak. I'm like, that dude going to give me a job. So (laughs) I talked to him on a Saturday. I filled the application out Monday, interviewed Tuesday. They hired me Thursday and Friday. I was roasting coffee. So I had my first job, which I can't stand the smell or taste of coffee. So God definitely has a sense of humor. (laughs) That's so funny. And then shortly thereafter, um, I, I didn't find a church, but I found a Bible study in a very unlikely way that definitely the Lord's hand was in. So that satisfied that angst in me of wanting to be in fellowship and yeah. getting in the word and praying with other men. Because I was used to church because it's all men in prison, you know. So not I'm not against women, but it just was a comfort zone of being right. around my brothers and being transparent and accountability and things like that. So. Um, I was doing that, and after a couple of years, I felt like, Lord, this isn't the it. Yeah. Like, working in the coffee isn't the it for me. There's got to be something else. And sure enough, um, the ministry that ministered to me in prison, one of them, the one that was passing the Bible courses out, um, was associated with the Bible College in Iowa, and they have a conference every two years for the prison ministry, mm. and they asked me if I would come share my story. Yeah. So I did, and while there, 
they talked to me about what it would look like for me to work for that ministry. And I was like, wow, I never thought about that. But I kind of, I worked for the ministry in prison actually. So I feel like I know the job so I can do it because I've done it before in prison. And I was like, okay. And they were like, okay, the first thing you got to do is go raise your own support. So I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I gotta, <laughs> you offer me a job with Welcome no paycheck. I yeah. gotta go find my own money. I was like, oh, that's a head scratcher. Yeah. I said, hey, if the Lord is in it, the Lord will provide. Yeah. So that was like yeah. July 2012. Yeah. And um, so I worked under the leadership of that ministry for about five or six years. And then I transitioned to another ministry connected with them called Emmaus Worldwide, the actual publishing company that published those Bible courses, to try to travel around the country to speak in churches and prisons that are interested in prison ministry and and try to get them set up. Did that a couple years before COVID. COVID came and everything stopped for two years. Everything was shut down. So I was just sitting at the crib chilling. For like two years, I started doing a podcast. So yeah. I kind of set up and I'm like, I got to do something going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was right before that time, actually, we started Philemon House to help men coming out because there's such a need for people getting uh-huh. out and having a safe place to live. And we started a ministry and we thought we got everything together and we just needed a house and we can never get a house. And so I'm a guy when I have an idea and I start something, if it gets stopped and I do everything I can to try to get it going and it won't, I got to leave it. Uh-huh. And maybe forever or maybe for a season. And so I left it. And the person with me, he kind of just kept filing the little postcard taxes every year to keep it alive as a nonprofit. And right at the tail end of the pandemic, a gentleman contacted me who I'd never met before in person, but I knew who he was. And he said, I heard about what you want to do, and I want to help you get a house. Wow. And I was like, yeah, wow. And that was like the Lord's hand in that because that was just within the week Mm. when my wife and I in the juvenile prison were discussing how we wish we could bring some young men out to live with us because they have so much potential. And then a few days later, I get the phone call. It's like, man, that's God. So obviously the Lord wanted my wife and I to be the people living in the house that wasn't the idea for the first time. It was going to be somebody else. And I was just going to minister and disciple people in the house. But, you know, Lord had a plan and, he opened some doors up, and that's kind of how that got started. Okay, that's incredible. Well, we were talking off air about the inspiration or the heart behind the name Philemon House. And, yeah, before we dive into the work that you do with Philemon House, can you break down why you decided to name your ministry? Yeah, so we were, at, we were at Wheaton College at a prison ministry conference, and one of the authors, actually, one of the Bible courses we used was this, one of the speakers at the last session. His name is Lenny Spitali. He's like in uh, Pennsylvania somewhere, I think. And he had been incarcerated. And he preached out a book of Philemon. And, you know, I wasn't very familiar with it. I knew the book. I knew how to pronounce it because most people say Philemon or something. Yeah. Um, And I knew the story, but I hadn't really dove deep into it. And I just remember him talking about it and how Paul's writing his letter to Philemon, a person that he seemed obvious that he kind of maybe led to Christ and discipled. Yeah. Now Paul ends up prison for being Paul, you know, yeah. preaching the gospel. <laughs> now this other prisoner, inmate number XYZ123 comes in, Onesimus. Yeah. He finds out Onesimus knows Philemon because he stole something from Philemon. <laughs> yeah. And he does the Paul thing, right? He evangelizes Onesimus. He gets saved, and now he writes this beautiful letter back saying, hey, 
you know, here's all the circumstances and situations. I'm appealing to you, yes. someone who I, by God's grace, had an impact in your life on. Mm. And now the same thing has happened with Onesimus. Yeah. And I realized that he has done something wrong. He sinned against you by yeah. stealing from you. And, yeah. and now he's living out the punishment for that here. But guess what? He's one of us now. He's yeah. a dear brother. And so yeah. would you accept him back, wow. not as a slave, not as a, a worker, but accept him back as a brother? Yeah. Anything that he owes you? I'll prepay you. Yeah. And what was once useless mm. is now made useful. Mm. And so that was something oh, that man. that really like kind of stood out among a few other things. And I was just like, you know, that's what we want to do. Yeah. These men who are coming out yeah. who society says are useless, they have value. Right. You know, right. all of us have value. Yeah, and, and right. you know, you don't have to be in prison to be valueless. Right. Right. You can be working for yourself. That has right. no value for the kingdom. But in Christ, yeah. no matter what your social or economic oh, status, you can be made valuable. Right. And so we want to help these men be valuable for the kingdom. That's incredible. Mm. Oh, you, you're reflecting over here. What, you gotta, Man, I'm just processing yeah. all of it right now. <laughs> so good. That was a whole sermon, by the way. It was, yeah, no, I was <laughs> like, I, I wrote that sermon, by the way, right now. <laughs> hey, man, okay, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Hey, that's good, that's so good. I know what I'm teaching it, on it, this It Sunday. needs to be put out there, man, yeah, for real. Is, no, yeah. no, this, is, this is good stuff. So what was, like, once the ministry established itself in a way, right? Like, I, I guess you've been doing the ministry whether before you had the house. So, I mean, you've been actively. But once the ministry was established, what, what, what? What did you notice as a, a, a as an early stage of its fruits uh, when you was like? Yeah, so in the beginning, before the house, it was helping men getting out, and then doors start opening in jails and prisons because they didn't initially because of my background. Like we don't want guys like you coming back in because you know the ins and outs, and I get that. But once the Lord start opening doors, you know I really had a huge advantage and this was different for me because my entire 15 and a half years in prison, I never saw a guy like me, mm. meaning had been in prison. It came back. Right. And so now I'm that guy going back. Ooh. And once I got inside, number one, it shocked me because <laughs> I felt more comfortable inside than I do on the outside. Uh, yeah. And number two, the influence and impact that guy gave me yeah. because once I started talking, even though I, I got a different like, accent than the Chicago accent. Yeah. Most people think I'm from Alabama or something, but they don't sound like me in Alabama and yeah. Texas. Yeah. It's something different in the, in the East St. Louis, St. Louis area. Yeah, yeah. But um, they saw I was like kind of one of them, yeah. and they were they became eager to want to be around me more and hear more from me. Some on the fringes, right, because they're like, is this guy legit? Who is this guy? And some just came right up and just like, man, what's up? Let's kick it. I want to learn about the Bible. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's something I had been seeking and searching for for years because when I was in prison as a prisoner, yeah. that similar thing was happening. But then when I got out, all that was gone. Right. The ministry I had in prison was all gone. I was out here in this world, like one speck of sand, and I kind of felt useless, if you will. Yeah. And now for the first time going in, I was like, you know, the Pied Piper or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I know how to navigate mm. with the guys inside. I know how to navigate with the staff. Yeah. Even though I've never been a staff, I understand what they go through right. and how difficult that job is. And ministering to guys in an institution, you also need to be mindful to minister to the to the staff. Yeah. Even if that's just saying, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. And if they're antagonistic, antagonistic against you, like still pray for them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good. You know, because they need it. Yeah. One thing that we believe at Link is, you know, every community has a leader. 
know, we want to raise up a leader in every community. Mm-hmm. Too often what we see happening is, you know, we send a leader into a community that they're not from, mm-hmm. they're not a part of. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's more damage than good being done. Amen. When that's the case. Yep. What I love about your story is you come from that community. You come from that place. And God, you know, see, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said uh, one of the greatest miracles is taking an unholy man from an unholy world, making him holy, putting him back in an unholy world and keeping him holy. Mm. And what's crazy is I, that's the story I see here. You mm. know, here's a man who is in the world. God meets you. He saves you. He takes you out of that place. Um, you know, he works on you, works in you commissions you puts you back where you came from and mm. keeps you holy right yeah, so you don't man. go back the way you came in yeah absolutely and not only do you not go back the way you came in but now you come with this purpose to do for others what was done for you amen and amen. so speak to the importance of uh maybe you know understanding that world because i think you can humanize people in a way that maybe others can't cannot yeah, yeah, because of your experience and because of your background. Yeah, so I like what you said. I mean, indigenous people, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm an advocate. I'm not against people being sent to places where they don't know the culture or language or really anything. Like, yeah. obviously, in the history of this planet, that works. Yeah. But I think indigenous people, I would consider myself like an indigenous person to the prison and right. jail system. Right. Like, that seems like the best model. Right. Yeah. right. Because I know the language. Yeah. I know how to conduct myself yeah there's not really any fear yeah because i've already experienced it and gone through it already and and it doesn't necessarily mean that there might not be a little fear but i know how to operate not in fear because i've felt that and seen that and lived through it already and so i think um that is probably one of the biggest things that keeps people from doing jail and prison ministry Mm -hmm. actually because they feel like how can I, this person who is not, you know, a minority, I'm not a black or brown person, so I may be white or maybe I'm Asian or maybe I'm Indian, you know, from India, like not many people of that population in prison, so they feel like a disconnect because I don't look like them or maybe sound like them, then I can't have an impact or influence on them. And when I think about my own life being in prison, I would say 90% of the people that came came into the prison that impacted my life were middle-aged white men, mm. not from any urban context. Right, right, right. So the thing that united us was the gospel. gospel. That's good, man. That's yeah. what united us. And yeah. so if any message I can always give to people is we have to ask ourselves why. Yeah. Why are we going in? Right. If it's not for the sake of the gospel. Yes. I mean, if it's a yoga program <laughs> or, or a chess club, like that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. There's no expectation from the people inside other than the chess or the yoga program or whatever it is. But when it comes to building relationships, because the gospel is all about relationships to me. I mean, evangelism is great. That's one spoke of discipleship. But I believe discipleship is a a guy I met in the Chicagoland area. I heard him coin it first. Life on life. Yeah. You know, and it's rubbing against one another. You know, sometimes it's smooth if we got things in common and sometimes it can kind of be rough. But what's uniting us is the gospel. And if that's what we're going in for the sake of the gospel, that transcends race, color, creed, economic status, social status. It it transcends all of that. So we need to always keep that in mind and we need to be obedient to the call 
of the gospel. And as I think about 2 Corinthians 5, you know, 17 through 21, as we are new creations in Christ Jesus, then now we're ambassadors and we've armed with the ministry of reconciliation. And so we need to be like Mm. helping people being reconciled to Christ through Jesus. Yes, yes. That's all right. Been preaching all episode. This my is goodness. beautiful <laughs> stuff, <laughs> man. I, I think I see smoke fumes yeah. coming out of my. <laughs> <laughs> <That's wild. laughs> so, in in this process, what, what what's been your relationship with Link, and yeah. how how has that been fruitful and helpful in any way? Man, it's it's I, in one word, I would say unbelievable. Mm. And here's why: I saw on Facebook this Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. program at a church in Chicago. <clears throat> um, I didn't have any plans that day. My wife had to work. The young man that lives with us, um, he had nothing to do, and he probably doesn't know much about history. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I love Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. At one point, I'm like, I want to be him 2.0. Yeah. And I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's learn. Let's pay homage to, respect, yeah. all of that. And we went, and Lindsay, or not Lindsay, Lexi was, you know, they gave her a little five-minute time to talk about Link. And the stuff she said, it was like, we here because we want to help organizations where they need help and I was like man we're kind of new bootstrapping things I'm trying to figure out how to get stuff done and and there are some things we could use help with and some of the things she mentioned and so I went to her got her card contacted her and immediately she went to work and Mm. so like for instance um we have a website that's like it's janky (laughs) so it's like she's helping us get it to be the opposite of janky like to be amazing and awesome and all that good stuff We're planning on having, because we have to raise funds to do what we do, having a comedy fundraiser. So okay. she got us a venue, which oh, we're man. actually sitting in right now. Oh, dope. And then um, helping us just in other ways with that. And so it's like, wow, man, like yeah. it was amazing to me because I've met a lot of people with different organizations. They kind of overpromise and underdeliver. Mm-hmm. And that's been the farthest thing from Link. I mean, what they say they gonna do, like they gonna, they being about it, they bout it, bout it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, this is because to what to what um, Ebenezer was saying earlier. Uh, there's just in America, the world is coming to America because mm-hmm. um, you know, different immigrants and people from different culture, mm-hmm. but then also the American culture from within it's been impacted into into different ways, mm-hmm. socioeconomic issues. Prison, out of prison, the, the laws that passed, the country is so big and rich and complex. Um, so when you think of ministry, there's no like cookie cutter to ministry. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? Like, you know, how, how to bring Jesus to the hearts of all people requires all kinds of people. Right. That's yep, good. That's right. Um, yeah. But also to find rest in an idea that uh, when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in East Africa, like I was telling you. Um, my dad would be like would be praying over at night like for devotional because my, 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 my folks were in the faith growing up and my dad would say hey pray that God will make you rich in people mm. and uh, yeah my mm. sister used to be like you know I think money would help too <laughs> if we could pray about money that'd be great but then it would, the focus was like we're gonna we're gonna be rich in people we didn't mm. have anything but we're gonna be rich in people mm. and as I grow older um, every step of my life there were people People are the one that God gives us His wealth. Guys. Amen. Amen. And um, and then and then of course you know, then you get older and then you start understanding how the kingdom works, and even during that we pray for people, mm. for people that can reach places mm-hmm. that I, that I can't or others can't. Amen. Link's prayer over a period of time in, in around the country has been, Lord, give us people. 
mm, who are okay. your people that are outward? Because God is rich with people. Amen. Like inside the prison, He had you. Yeah. Amen. Like Amen. it's crazy, right? Yeah, like yeah. So, mm-hmm. so God is so rich, so powerful. Um, so we pray that Hey, can you open up doors for us to see who are your people? Because you're wealthy with them, yeah. and then would you please give them to us so they can share Jesus with us? Wow. But also, can you give them us? So they can grow the yeah, gospel that's with right, it, right? That's right. So that's been like the journey where Link has been operating around the country to say, how do we come alongside of people and sit by their side, hear their dreams, see what God is doing through them, and then cheer them forward? Yeah. Um, and that's been, that's been something Im- impactful for my life. Mm-hmm. But then to see that impacting others is incredible. Yeah. I think just alongside that, personally, I mean, 15 years in prison out, mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of confusion in terms of like, man, how do what's what's the meaning of life here mm-hmm. outside of prison? Yep. Uh, and the way an American system is placed, uh, it's kind of like prison is the end of a person. Like even if you get out, it's kind of like you did not really get out. There's another prison waiting for you. Sure, yeah. sure. It does not allow you jobs and other activities. Yep. So navigating through all that, what did you? How did? Wh- where where do you see? Like where where do you find joy and hope? Christ is doing, but also on a day-to-day mm, life. Okay, that's good. But before I answer, I just want to say I love your father telling you that mm. about being rich in people because other than the gospel being preached, the second thing I preach is people. Life mm. at its best is about relationships mm. with people. If you want money, you're a fool to chase the money. Mm. You're a wise man if you chase the people mm. because relationships are more valuable than money. Big right. time. We were just talking in the jail today about having value in yourself. Mm. And people were naming things about stuff they did or attributes about themselves and the value line in that. And I said, all this stuff is going to fail you. Mm. God has placed value in you. And we know this because he sent his son to die. Right. So our value comes with how God views us, That's not good, how you man. view yourself and how yeah. others view you. Yeah. Wow. In terms of the joy and ministry, you know, it took me probably, I've been doing this probably going on 11 years now. And it took me about nine, maybe, eight and a half to nine years to finally realize that I was trying to get my joy out of something mm. that I shouldn't have been. And this is what it was. Living in a nonprofit world and going, I went to tons of fundraisers because I needed to learn how to fundraise. Mm. So I'm going to go to them. And as the Lord says, give, I'll give. But I'm also getting because I'm learning how to do things. And I learned that... Um, numbers, statistics, how many people got saved, all these things seem so relevant and that was a common thread through all of these. And because of what I do, I rarely ever see that. Mm. Oh, wow. Jail, and so I'm in jails, which are transient. A jail and prison is different. Most people liken them as the same. And they have similarities because you're out of society, uh, you know, and you can't get out. But a jail is a place you go, and technically you're not guilty yet because you haven't been to court. You're an innocent person in jail. Prison means I've been found guilty, and I'm carrying out my sentence. In some cases, you can get sentenced to jail, and and it's a shorter period of time. And so very transient in jail, meaning, like, People can give their life to Christ in an instant, right? Yeah. Um, but because it's so transient, I didn't often see that. And so I would always be thinking, I must not be doing something right. I'm failing. Wow. God, should I be doing this? And then I ran across a scripture where Paul talks about um, him planting seeds, Apollo yeah. watering, and God giving the increase. And then something clicked in me. And it's like, you know what? I'm a seed planter, and I'm a seed waterer. Mm. 
it's not my, it's not like, first of all, mm. I don't lead anybody to Christ. Mm. It's the Holy Spirit's good, work man. to convict a person's heart of sin. Yeah. Yeah. And then their confession and their faith in Christ gets them salvation. Yeah. Now I can pray with them or, or help them understand the gospel. It's a decision they make, but I'm not going to coerce right. somebody into a, a confession or a mm. salvation prayer. That's something they need to do. Yeah. And so once that clicked in my mind, it freed me. Mm. And that's when I started finding joy. Because it was just like I'm digging a ditch, right. and I'm trying to get. When I was a little kid, I saw in a Buzz Bunny cartoon, and if you dig far enough in the hole, you get to China. Now I know it's funny, <laughs> but I saw that, and I always wondered as a little kid, yeah. is China underneath? Because I saw it on Buzz Bunny, yeah. and so I likened it to I'm digging this ditch trying yeah. to get to China. Yeah. But yeah. we know China, I'm gonna reach the it's Earth's like, core at right, some point, right? right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking I'm I'm getting, and I was yeah, digging no, no, somewhere no. I was never gonna find. Right, right. You know, yeah. and so the Lord released me of that by letting me know, look, son, That's you go good, in man. here and you proclaim the gospel in various different contexts. And you water seeds that others have planted, yeah. and I take it from there. That's good. And that's wow. what that's where I, that's where I got my and still get my joy from knowing that this is what God is calling right. me to. It's not about being able to have all these these numbers of all these conversions and this and that. And that's great that that happens. Yeah. I'm not against that, but I don't in the context of what I'm doing. I don't necessarily see that, right. so it feels like a failure. Right. Yeah. But right. it's actually not a failure. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's where I get my joy. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Can we do the next, like, two hours, please? Make sure the cameras. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I right? think we got to have to wrap up our time. But, hey, um, thank you. I think we've been just, praise God. I think your story is incredible. Your story is powerful. Mm. Um, but also the power of Jesus mm, that is amen. proclaimed through that story. Because mm. um, one of the most beautiful things was um, that, uh despite of where people are at, um, shackles of chain or, mm -hmm. or prison and walls cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ. That's and right. That's, that's right. out of this world. Amen. And uh, over a period of time around the world, um, I think this is, I hope in my prayers, like people even around the world will hear this because there's so many Christians in prison around the world because mm -hmm. of their faith. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. because they're there, um, they also became the light to those who are, in darkness uh, uh and to see many of them probably feel like man if i was out there i probably would do more more work than i'm here uh, uh but you are a true testament of what could happen in the inside what could also happen in the outside and yeah. you're living around both worlds so um impressed and uh, uh blessed and all of you who are hearing this um we want to encourage you to pray uh, for our dear brother as mm -hmm. he continues to proclaim Jesus in a highly, highly transient environment in, in, in situations where many people cannot understand or even phantom. Mm -hmm. um, and you're probably one of them. You're probably serving in ministries that probably so hard for other people to understand, even comprehend the walks of that. But know this, Jesus is with you because mm -hmm. he is all-knowing, all-present. He's omnipotent. He's present. Uh, and the beauty of our Lord is his promise will always be yes mm -hmm. uh, for he has promised to be with us until the end of time. Yeah. And until he comes back and take us home, he will continue to be faithful. So continue to proclaim Jesus until his return. Mm -hmm. uh, stay faithful and may God through his Holy Spirit and his word preserve you in the true faith in Christ. Amen.